Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of ripoffs, I have an update on a Wells Fargo scandal that is so extreme, it's just hard to believe how dangerous Wells Fargo is to do business with. And coming up yet later, so many of us have some kind of part-time income where we're working um, a gig job or we're working part-time for somebody, we're working as an independent contractor. There are some minefields in that, and especially some you've got to worry about as we come to the end of the year. I've got some advice for you about that. Clark.com is our main website ClarkDeals.com is our bargain site, our deal site that our deal diggers are updating around the clock to find you the best deals as we close in on Christmas. We are in a week that the deals are not as good. I just got to tell you, you know, that we've had all the Black Friday extravaganza going on through the month of November. Uh, You got through that time period and we're in the cycle in December where prices of goods tend to be higher. Retailers feel like they're getting to the more reluctant shoppers, and so it becomes even more important these last two weeks to know when a deal is a deal, and we're going to do the best we can to help you through this, what is the more expensive cycle of the Christmas shopping season. And in tune with that, a lot of us are going to get things on Christmas that we're grateful for the thought that went into the item, but it's not for us. It could be the wrong size, or it could be just, well, (laughs) not our thing. So what do people do? If you hate yourself, you turn around on Boxing Day, December 26th, or that week, that next week, but the time period between Christmas and New Year's, and you go stand in these forever lines of returns. And then suddenly, you got money off and the retailer would give you a gift card to go with the value of what you've returned for you to then go shop. And then we turn around and we shop that week. So what's happened is the week between Christmas and New Year's has actually become one of the busiest shopping weeks of the year and an expensive one as well. So you got the crowds, you got the lines, and you're paying too much for things. Better idea. January 6th or later is when you return items, unless the retailer has a tight window on returns and the 6th would be too late. Wait till then. The lines are gone at most places for returns. But even more, you could take a cannon in most American retail stores, fire that cannon off, and not hit anybody once you hit the week of January, you know, January 6th or later. Because the shoppers have evaporated. Shopping's done. So what happens that week? is any stuff they didn't sell or stuff that was returned that hadn't sold all gets 
marked down. So it's the perfect opportunity. No crowds, no lines, lower prices. Just keep that in mind with those gifts you get Christmas morning. Now, the more complicated thing is returns. I got something from someone as a gift this past week that they gifted it to me through Amazon. In the box was an uh, Amazon gift return voucher, like a, like a receipt for returning that item. And as generous as the item was, it's something that we don't need and I'm going to return it. And with Amazon, that gift receipt is really, really key. So if gifts come for Christmas and they're from delivered by Amazon, make sure when you open the box, anticipating you're going to love the item, but if in fact you don't, that you find that gift receipt in order to do that return. Kirk is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kirk. How you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Thank you. How can uh, I, I serve you, about, Kirk? Well, yeah. How can I serve you? Uh, well, we I had a question about websites that are set up for buying stocks. Uh, my wife and I are interested in investing in some stocks, but not with a lot of money or where you could maybe buy, you know, individual stocks, you know, 25 or $50 at a time. Is there any website that offers that as a service? Well, so you want, you want the website to pick the investments for you or to guide you how to do that? Um, well, uh, we want to pick our own if that's an option, but otherwise, I guess we're looking at, you know, we're not trying to get rich off of investing in stocks, but just more to get our feet wet with it and and invest a little bit of money at a time. So I didn't know if there were any websites that allow you to do that. So Robinhood is one. Have you heard of Robinhood? I have not. So Robinhood is an app you can download to your iPhone or Android. Okay. And it allows you to do stock trading for free. Oh. It's what set off this revolution recently with Schwab and the others eliminating trading commissions. So you with Robinhood can buy pretty much as little or as much of a stock as you want. You can buy as many stocks as you want and you can use it as a tool to become more familiar with how to do stock investing buying and selling okay but there's something that i recommend and that is that investing is best done through a roth ira until and unless you max out a roth ira okay and the reason is is that when you invest in a roth ira there's no tax implications at all with the buys and sells you do and it's money that grows tax-free for the long term for retirement, and you spend the money tax-free. If you invest in a traditional investment account, your buys and sells generate potential taxes for you on the things you have purchased and sold. Okay. As, as you have hopefully successful 
purchases of those items. But I want to take you back a further step. There's a, something called Investing 101, which was updated earlier this year as, uh, I guess you could call it an article, but it comes in different chapters of investing, and it's on the website NerdWallet. Have you ever heard of NerdWallet? I have, yeah. And so if you go search in their search box for Investing 101, they take you through how you build those priorities and where your investing should start. Now, I have a big bias that doesn't even require a course. And my bias is the Roth IRA and that your uh, primary investing should be in a broad-based fund instead of individual stocks. Right. That individual stocks are um, more for fun than they are for making money. Sure. For most people. What are you doing as a base of investing? Well, we both have 401ks, so that's probably our primary investment right now. And are either of you offered the Roth 401k option? I don't believe so. I think it's, I, I don't know. Traditional only? Traditional one, yeah. Because we've moved to a point that a majority of employers now offer both options, but I find a lot of times they don't really publicize that they have the Roth option. So this would be my first assignment for both of you. Okay. Is to check with your employers, um, whatever it is, human resources or whatever they call it where each of you work. And see if you have the option of a Roth 401k. Okay. And unless either or both of you are earning massive paychecks, you're better off moving into the Roth 401k option instead of the traditional. Okay. And in it, uh, for most people, unless you're really going to dig in and build a portfolio, you're going to find that the easiest and likely best option is going to be the target retirement fund choice in there, where you pick a year closest to when uh, either of you expect to retire, and you put all the money in the 401k in that. How old are each of you? Uh, I'm 49, and she's 44. Okay, so that would be a really appropriate choice at your ages, because you're getting to the time cycle where the investing should become gradually more conservative, and that's done automatically for you in a target retirement fund choice. Do you know what you're in right now in that 401k? What we're in? Yeah, what investments you're in. No, I don't. I know that they, you know, I can go in and choose uh, different options for it, four or five different ones that I am a part of, but I don't know specifically what they are. Okay. That would be, okay, so that would be our second assignment. Okay. So the first is for each of you to know if you've got a Roth 401k option, if you do switch to that. Second would be to really look at what the choices are in that 401k, because most of what both of you will likely invest will be through either employer-provided retirement plans or a Roth IRA that you would do on your own. And I've got a very simple investment guide on Clark.com you can look at that'll walk you through the process of picking um, 
the right kind of funds to have in your retirement account. So I'd say getting that stuff in the right direction is more important than you doing trading on your own. Right. And what yeah. would be a taxable account. And I, in your case, I'd say the priorities are the, the Roth option, knowing what you're invested in and get that right for both of you. If you're not contributing at the max that 401k, move steadily towards that. And then after that, do the Roth IRA or in the midst of that, do the Roth IRA. All of that would be bigger as something that will help with your financial future than you doing your own investing account with Robinhood or whoever. So just my thought. I know I'm not answering the question at all like you called in to ask about Kirk, but the goal is to get you financially strong, financially solvent as you possibly can be. I know it's hard for you to consider switching banks. There's a psychological barrier to changing things around, bill pays, stuff like that. But Wells Fargo continues to prove that it's a criminal enterprise imitating a bank and is not worthy of being trusted with your money, as you'll hear in today's Clark Rages moment. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. I have a follow-up for you about a story I told you about, gosh, was this a year or two ago, about a widow whose husband had left her quite a bit of money when he died. And this was the money for her to live the rest of her life, for her and her daughters. And so... As I told you about before, the Wells Fargo broker stole, allegedly, $2.25 million from her trading at Wells Fargo. The broker is alleged to have forged documents to generate massive fees, and the way it works is Wells Fargo has been hit with an um, arbitration because that's all you're allowed to do because the banks, the brokerages, all impose arbitrations. You can't sue them. So the broker has uh, been hit with an arbitration claim, as is Wells Fargo. But now, according to the New York Post... Wells Fargo is being fined for refusing to provide documents for the arbitrators to ultimately render their decision. And Wells Fargo is being fined day by day, but the fines are really small compared to the amount of money. They're stalling. When Wells Fargo was contacted by the New York Post, Wells Fargo declined to comment. Because they got no good story to tell. This is a company that to its core has been rotten. They've just installed a new CEO. Let's hope this CEO is the one that actually cleans up the mess. Now, this is just one angle. This story came out, and then two days later, this story just came out about Wells Fargo that 
uh, an obscure federal agency, the Office of the Control of the Currency, has now sanctioned Wells Fargo for when employees file a grievance about something wrong going on at the company, Wells is not responding. They're doing nothing to investigate the employee complaints. Now think about how long this rot has been going on at Wells Fargo. I'm hoping the new CEO will get it together. But you are in danger. You are at risk if you do business with this company that refuses to do right by people. I'm so glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. The more of what you make is really important right now with what I'm going to talk about. So about one in eight of us either work solely self-employed or have some kind of side gig. Could be something where you're working for one of the app-based outfits. Um, you know, could be Fiverr, TaskRabbit, Uber, Lyft, you name it. How many zillions of handy? There are so many of those. And you're earning side cash. And that's what you're getting. They're just paying you. But they're paying you as an independent contractor. At the end of the year, you get a 1099. And if you've already been burned by the 1099 tax time bomb, you're nodding right now. But a lot of people aren't aware that because you're a non-employee and they're not withholding tax from you, that you could get hit with ugly bills when you go to file your return next year because you're required to pay in withholdings over the course of a year. Think about with your job. You got that. If you have a traditional job, in addition to your side thing, or you're now doing something all 1099, but you used to get a W-2. Remember when you got a W-2, they would withhold tax from you every check for the feds, for the state, for Social Security, whatever. If you live in a state with a state income tax, they were taking that too. So now you're getting paid a gross check. And it's gross because you haven't paid 15.3% to Social Security because you've got to pay both halves of that. I think that's the percent as a self-employed. And you are supposed to make tax estimates four times a year. If you don't make those, then you've underreported, uh, not underreported, you've underwithheld. This is especially surprising to people who have a regular job plus a second thing they do where they get paid 1099 is that you can get hit pretty hard. So the easiest thing to do late in the year, I saw this suggestion on a market watch thing, is if you got another payroll coming or two at your regular job, do maximum withholding. The IRS averages that out over the year. So it reduces penalties you'd pay for not having paid into the IRS over the year, and you may be able to wipe those out from some side income. For you, if you are solely self-employed and you haven't been paying into the IRS, sooner the better because it stops the interest and penalty clock. It's not that complicated, but... You're expected, if you're going to be all self-employed, that you make payments to the IRS, an estimated payment, four times a year of what you'd owe them. And states have a state income tax, have an equivalent, 
But if you don't do that, you can get really hurt. The other thing is if you're all self-employed income and you're a one-person thing, you don't have employees, you've got multiple options to both put money aside for retirement and reduce your tax bill. You can do a solo or self-employed 401k where the limits are very flexible and generous. And if you've made a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money being self-employed, you can do something called a SEP. SEP takes like no paperwork. You can open it at any place you'd have a regular IRA. And you can actually take huge chunks. I think it's somewhere this year, like up to 57000 I think, that you can reduce your income and have that money go into your SEP. And there are lots of places you can open a SEP with no fees at all for having it, no fees for administering it, and you can go into commission-free products like at Vanguard, Schwab, and Fidelity and reduce that total amount of tax you would owe otherwise. Mark is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mark. Hey, Mr. Howard. How are you doing today? Good, Mark, but you got to call me Clark. No misters here. I'm sorry about that military training coming out. Um, well, thank you for anyway, that. What branch are you in or were in? I, I was in the Army for 11 years. Well, thank you for that. Uh, did you end up in pretty dangerous theaters of war during those 11 years? Yeah, I spent three years in Iraq. Well, thank you for that. And um, I know that it must be frustrating for you seeing that Iraq still doesn't seem to be together at this point. Very much so. <laughs> but um, the reason why I was calling, I've actually, I've got two related questions. Um, right now, my sister-in-law, just she just graduated high school last year, and um, she moved in with us on the stipulation that she would go to college. Um, she's almost finished with her first semester, and her uh, part-time job has offered her a management position. And she'll be making like $4 an hour more doing uh, the management position at her job. And she has decided that she would rather make that extra $4 an hour as opposed to finishing out college. So I was wondering, because uh, while she's living with us... I'm having trouble breathing. Maybe you could have her call me and I could try to guilt her into staying in school. I, I, I agree. That's, I've been trying for two weeks now to convince her to stay in. But um, what, I was, what I was wondering about that is, um, since she's not going to stay in college, how much we should charge her for rent um, so that you know, we're not overcharging her and driving her out to where she's going to be someplace where she's not going to be able to make it. Well, I think but, you should charge her $8, the equivalent of what she makes, $8 an hour, number of hours she works, and then she'll be behind where she would have been if she stayed in school with the free rent. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was uncool of me. Anyway, <laughs> um, so is she basically renting a room rent-free and 
is with you, uses your living room, dining room, kitchen, eats your food, all that. Uses one of our vehicles, yeah. <laughs> wow. So why wouldn't she take $4 more an hour and just pocket all that money? So um, is it, let, let's look at this another way. Is it the healthiest situation for her to be living with y'all? Yes, it is. Okay, in that case, you're providing her a safe environment and an environment where she can mature. So it really is a question of what amount of rent would make you feel like you weren't being taken advantage of. And is that okay. 500 a month? Is that 300 a month? Is that 800 a month? I mean, I think, I think if it's that you're providing more than just a place to live, you're providing a, an environment for her to nurture and grow and be safe, then you, the rent that you charge needs to be uh, like family kind of rent. And I'm curious what you think that is, Mark, how much you think that would be. Well, see, that's that's the thing. Me and my, me and her sister differ on that price. I was thinking, a hundred, a hundred and fifty. She's thinking about two hundred, two hundred and fifty. And is that per week or per month? Per month. Oh, two fifty. Go with let let uh, let her decide what her sister's rent's going to be. Okay. And then the other part of the question that I had involving my sister-in-law is if she's not going to go to college, I still want to help her get into the best financial situation possible. Um, And we're trying to figure out a way to convince her to start investing. Uh, I don't know if the fast food restaurant that she's with has a 401k that she can go through. If she's a manager, they will have almost certainly some form of 401k okay because with the managers they don't don't care as much about retaining the non-management personnel but they want to retain managers at most chains and so there's a decent likelihood they'll have a 401k and i think you make the rent deal you're going to offer her contingent upon her contributing to that 401k and a set amount of money that you and your wife agree to about your sister-in-law or the other thing is uh, the alternative is that you require that she contribute that amount of money to a Roth IRA that you give her a rent deal and that's how you do it maybe you make the rent 150 instead of 250 and a hundred dollars every month has to go into that 401k or into a Roth would be a way to get both things done where she's paying some rent and she's looking at her future and saving for it. Ken is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ken. How you doing, Clark? Great, thank you. So you thank want you some fun me. in the sun, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, we I've already booked the, the resort in Mexico, in Cancun. It's actually south of Cancun. Uh, but uh, got a good deal on that. But now I'm struggling with the airfares. Um, it's a little far out right now on the airfares from what I've been looking at. Uh, but, you know, what what is a good time to start looking and where do I start looking? All right, so you said you're going to Cancun. You said what month again? As it's uh, March uh, 14th through the 21st. I okay. Got, uh, two uh, two, two, two uh, uh, suites available for a week. 
and I'm going to take the entire family down. That's going to be eight of us. That's great. All right, so you're killing me, though, because, <clears throat> you know, the my whole thing is you follow the deal and then figure out why we want to go there. You've got a specific date to a specific destination, which makes it a little right. harder to find a deal, but the deals are going to likely materialize the first week of January. Okay. Um, airlines and a lot of the travel industry historically rolls out deals in January because that's when people are kind of tapped out from Christmas shopping, and there are a lot of sales right then on, uh, you think about the cruise industry, airlines, resorts, hotels, they tend to launch a lot of deals right after people get back at the new year. And I want you to, if you haven't done so yet, go to google.com slash flights. Have you ever heard of that site? Uh, I have not. So go to google.com slash flights and set up what's known as a fare alert, where you'll go ahead and put in from your departure city to Cancun Mm -hmm. and put in the dates, because you've got very specific dates, and it will give you the fare that's available right now, what each airline's charging, and then they'll tell you, based on historical data, if they have enough in your market, whether the fare is higher than normal, lower than normal, or about normal. And then it gets better. Google.com slash flights will send you alerts every time the fare changes. So do we book them at that time or do we... And well, it depends on what it tells down? you. If it tells you the fare is much better than normal when you go and search, you go ahead and grab it. Otherwise, if it says it's normal or more than normal, you're best off waiting and watching and especially go back and look again that first week of January. Now, on the on the dates that I, that I quoted there, I mean, really the only date that we, we, we have to go out on is, is our, our flight down, which is the 14th of March. That's Then that's even better because what you'll see on google.com slash flights is they'll show you the fare each day around the day that you're traveling to and from. And it'll also do a search based on any airport nearby where you live. So if you live within two hours of another major airport, in addition to the one you've asked it for fares on, it will look and tell you if there's a bargain out of that other city. Oh, that's good. That's now, the, good. Only, the only downside is they don't show Southwest fares, and Southwest is pretty big in the Cancun market now. So you want to go to southwest.com and see what the fares are on Southwest and then check Southwest again as I said, uh, I hope I'm right, <laughs> the beginning of January. Eddie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Eddie. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Clark. I just want to say thanks to you and your team. You saved my family thousands of dollars over the years. Well, thanks you were kind to say that. And um, What's the best money-saving tip you ever got from our website or our show? Oh, uh, waiting six to eight weeks for buying domestic airfares, I would say. Probably the biggest one. Great. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's at least the most recurring one. Okay, so sorry if I'm turning this into a technology show, but I have a question about two-factor authentication. Um, so okay, let me explain what that is to people yeah, who don't know yeah. what that term means. More and more organizations we do business with, uh, particularly brokerages and banks, 
credit card companies, anything with financial, they want us to uh, try to deal with the fact that people can crack into our account so easily by figuring out our username and password. And so they do the two-factor that most often is done with sending a text to your phone, one-time use code that you sign in with, and that is the most common method of two-factor authentication. Yes. So um, recently our family ditched the landline that was UMA, and we ported it over to Google Voice. It was even with their spam filter on UMA, it was just ringing the telephone off the hook during dinner time, and we, we couldn't take it anymore. So oh, we I'm sorry. Google Voice. That's okay. We, we're happy with Google Voice. And so my question is about Google Voice. Could we use that for our two-factor authentication uh, text number? Would, would that defeat SIM card hijacking? That is a brilliant idea, and it's actually one that uh, came up on our show about two months ago that it shows you to really be looking at the vulnerabilities that exist with people stealing your cell phone service so they then have your two-factor code. And so using Google Voice that the crook's not going to know that Google Voice number, they're not going to be able to hijack it, um, that is the smartest idea there is for two-factor authentication. Okay, great. We'll, we'll, we'll follow that and we'll, we'll move our secret codes over to that for, uh, for two-factor. So thanks again. Absolutely. And continued good success to you with finding those great airfare bargains. Where I'm just curious, where in the world do you like to travel most? Oh, we're on the West Coast, so we like to go to Hawaii. And my son's up in college in Seattle. So, um, you know, we, we book back and forth from Seattle and out to Hawaii you know, two times a year between the, the two trips. Well, how lucky are you? Because there's deal after deal right now from the West Coast to Hawaii and lots of bargains to Seattle. So you're in the catbird seat. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. 